This is the Making a Musical podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Thrapp. We have huge news today. Boys, roll the music. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know anyone who's had a winter wedding, but I do know somebody who's going to have a winter off-Broadway show. We just set the date. You are hearing it here first. Good Morning New York opens off-Broadway January 2020 at the Players Theater. How did this happen? That's probably the question a lot of people are wondering. I'm going to be breaking down a playwright's process from page to stage And later on in this podcast, our panel will be in. We're going to be talking about all the things we have to do now before opening night. Don't forget, we're still selling shirts to raise money for our off-Broadway production. We just expanded options. We have shirts for toddlers, men, women. There are long sleeves, short sleeve, hoodies. It's all there. GoodMorningNewYorkMusical.com. And while you're doing that, don't forget to like and rate this podcast so we can get the word out. I want to start from the beginning to give you guys an idea of what the journey has been like from a playwright. As you know, this podcast will talk about the details and the nitty gritty in other episodes, but right now, here is just the timeline. Scenes started developing in January 2017. About a year later, in December 2017, I brought on the co-composer Dylan Adler. I had about eight songs. He helped transcribe them and then add to them, and then we doubled that song count. By February 2018, we had a rough draft of a script and most of the sheet music done. That's when we started sending it out. We booked a reading in April, and then we got accepted to the New York Theater Festival. The pit came shortly after that. And then for fun, I thought it would be a good idea to email 54 Below and see if we could sing one or two songs before someone else's show. Fortunately, they gave us a late night slot of our own. So we had an entire concert with our music at 54 Below in June. We opened at the Pit in July, opened at the New York Theater Festival in late July. And once we closed, I knew that the show had more potential. So I sat down with a producer of God Save Queen Pam. It's a new musical that was just at the Players Theater. She mentioned that they have a residency program for newer playwrights who are trying to bring their shows off Broadway. I applied. I interviewed a few weeks ago, and last week I got the phone call. So here we are. Now let's bring in the panel to talk about what is happening as we move this thing forward. Before I do, keep in mind, I recorded this last week before I got the phone call. So it's slightly dated, but not that much. Let's bring in the girls. Hey guys, it's Theater Thursday! Oh yeah, the same girls from last week are here this week. Because we're recording it on the same day. Magic. <laughs> you heard them earlier, hooting and hollering. We have video editor and writer, Good Morning New York director, Bridget Greeny here. Yes. And then comedian for Good Morning, I mean actress for Good Morning New York, singer and comedian, Morgan DeTogny. What's up? We're going to make this entire show about living the off-off-Broadway life. Yes. Yeah, Get your bit. shirts. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Buy those shirts, which I'm about to tell you about <laughs> in a second. But before I tell you about those shirts, if you ever wondered what a producer does behind the scenes from that minute that the off-off-Broadway production closes to when they open the off-Broadway production, I'm going to tell you how it all works and what I'm doing. And I'm going to just list out my priorities as a producer before... 
the actors come in, before the promotion comes in, before anything comes in, and I think you might be surprised by what I'm doing. So let's just go straight into it. What producers do? Is there any like really pressing issue you have? We have Ask Me Anything later. We're going to do an Ask Me Anything at the end of the show, which is going to be, we have some juicy questions. Yeah. Well, what's what's the very, very first thing you have to do as a producer before anything else can happen? Off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway are different. So for me, for off-off-Broadway, the very, very, very first thing after I have the script, I have to do get a theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. To <laughs> so me, like, once I had the theater, then I could get investors, or not investors because it was such a small production, but once I have the theater, then I can get a cast and I can get a date and I can actually start, like, saying, I have a show. Because once you get a theater, then you can sell tickets and be like, mm-hmm. I have a show and now you can buy it. Because as you guys know, well, maybe, I don't, I don't know if you knew this, but I booked the pit in the theater festival and 54 Below way back in February or January, and I booked all these things before I had a cast. That's so nerve-wracking. That's so, <laughs> that's so stressful. So, yeah, like, but think about it the other way, right? If you have a whole cast and nowhere to put them. Okay, yes, that's also stressful. That's also stressful. <laughs> because when I did so the true. reading, I, mean, I, I handed every during rehearsals, I handed everyone a list of the dates that we had, and I'm like, here are the dates, here are the rehearsals. Yes or no. Mm-hmm. So once you, because that way the that cast revolves yeah. their life around your production, opposed to you revolving your Puzzle life around it, their yeah. production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there we go. that's the first thing for off off Broadway. As for off Broadway, the very first thing that I have to do is get a budget. Nothing can be done until I get that budget set in stone and ready to go. So that's it. That is my main and top priority. I met with a general manager who's actually going to do one for us. The Players Theater will also help us with our budget as well. So I'm currently trying to figure out which route to take because I know that I need an expert to help me with this. I just need to see all the resources on the table before I know which way is best for the show. But either way, someone will be helping and they're going to be better at it than I will be Um, because it's people's money. You want to get it right. Now, With that said, people are always asking me how much these things cost, and I love sharing the numbers. In this case, I'm not going to share as much as you'd like only because I don't believe that I'm the person who should be sharing it. I'll just say this. Get a general manager because they're great and they're knowledgeable, and I would set aside a few thousand dollars to do so. It'll be worth it. I'm doing it. So that's the budget, and the budget for our show... um, who want, do you guys want to hear it? What it what the minimum is off Broadway? Yeah, it's different from oh, what changed. I told you, Bridget. Oh. oh gosh. So it changed. If if we go off Broadway and we don't include a theater fee, so let um let's say we get a residency or whatever, um the budget starts at fifteen thousand bucks. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. How? Yeah, how? Ooh. Well, because you're not paying for the theater cost. Because I'm not paying for the theater yeah. cost. How much would a theater be a week normally? Like a 99 or a 100 seat theater? 100? Uh, minimum 5, no, 5,000. 5, per week? Yeah, per week. Minimum 5,000. And then do they take proceeds from the tickets or you just get all your ticket money? You pay the theater, you get all the tickets. That's, yep, yeah, that's the deal. If Got you it. buy the theater, that, but if we get a residency, then. Um, there's like a split that we would do. Um, okay. And 
And yeah, so we did the math and we're going to have a whole different thing on budgets because I could answer your question, (laughs) but I don't want to give too much away. Not to tease to my podcast. I just don't want to give numbers that that aren't confirmed. I'm going to listen to the budget episode because I'm curious. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. So, but that's the minimum budget is $15,000. That seems like so doable. Yeah. It is doable. It's absolutely doable. And and we're going to have an episode about how I plan to do it. So that's the first thing. I have to get a budget. And then the next thing I have to do is get an LLC. Mm. So I have my personal LLC, but a lot of shows have show LLCs. Mm-hmm. So that's 200 bucks for an LLC plus a few hundred for a publishing fee. That's like legally required in New York State. Mm-hmm. So that is next. And then um, there's a grant right now that I'm trying to get. It, New York City has a woman in theater and film grant and they're offering up to 50,000 bucks for productions. Yes. So I'm almost done with my application for that. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Um, and I'm going to go for 15,000. Oh my yeah. gosh. Um, and then I have, we still have to, I have to pay the, actually not even pay, I still have to work with Dylan so pay and collaborate with the co-composer for the rewrites that we're making. Mm-hmm. Haven't done that yet because um, the money, I'm prioritizing my money mm-hmm. and, um, that's that. And then investors and then booking a theater comes in six. So that's like way down there after I, um, have all these things. And also I want to make an EP for our 54 below show. So that's on that as well. Um, so basically what I want to do is before I promote it and before I bring people on board and say, let's go, we're putting on a show. I want to have a website that says you can buy tickets now or you can buy an album now because people are instant gratification. Mm -hmm. And I want people to, when they hear about it, to send their money our direction (laughs) right away because no one's going to wait a year to um, hear about it. They'll be like, oh, I heard about it last year. I thought it closed. I'm over it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's that. That's the list. That's that's what I'm currently doing as a producer do you guys have any questions about that how does it work when you get investors for off-broadway where who's holding the money before you spend it is it the show's llc or is it yep it's the show's llc and from my understanding you can't um that's lawyers are also going to get involved too but you can't spend any of the money until you reach that minimum amount so it's just sitting there in a bank account from my understanding okay Right, Morgan? Yeah, that sounds good. No, I was going to ask a question. I was going to ask a question. That sounds correct to me. Or that sounds like a, you know, reasonable (laughs) way for it to work. (laughs) Right, right. I agree with this. What was your question? I know nothing. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, I was going to ask, so for the off-off-Broadway run that we did, Mm -hmm. um, did you have any sort of funding for it or was it an out-of-pocket experience and what have you learned and what would you suggest? Oh, that's good. So we're going right in to ask me anything? Oh, yeah. Is that well, you we're... said, do I have any questions? And that's like, <laughs> what's on my mind? Okay. So for the off-off Broadway run, did I spend money out of pocket? Yes. The whole goal of that production was to see, huh, do we have a show? And the answer was yes. In the beginning, I expected to just pay for it out of pocket. And it wasn't that much. You know, this was a 30-seat theater. We got costumes for free. It was a skeleton set. All of it was about the script development. We also had sponsorships, and we had ticket sale money. So, yeah, I contributed 
but it wasn't as much as you would think when it comes to a New York City projection. If I were to do it again, I would probably do the same thing because it's all about putting your money where your mouth is. As for things that I would do different, well, I definitely would not block a reading again. Uh, next time I would just have the cast in a room with an audience and have them read it, just read it. I think that that would have saved me a lot of money. The other thing that I would not have done, and I've said this before, I would not go to the theater festival again, and I wish that I did take the production out of the theater festival. They don't give you a cut on ticket sales, and you spend so much money rehearsing, and you still have to pay the tech. You still have to pay the stage manager and the band and the actors, but that cost falls on you. It doesn't fall on them, so I would never do a theater festival again in my current production and in future productions. So what other questions do you have? Ask me anything. It's an ask me, and I also have questions from people online. Ooh. So maybe this will get you guys started. So yeah. let's start with these ask me anything questions. Greg asked, what have my colleagues thought of the show? Because mm. Good Morning New York is inspired by local news. So the ones who inspired the show didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> and those who might work with those who inspired the show um, said to have liked it, and I don't think they've said much after that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to burn bridges with the show, and I didn't, thankfully, because it, the show, as you know, is so different from the very first draft. Yeah. The characters aren't even the same. The actors and their interpretations, like, the people in the show are 100% characters yeah. and not based off mm-hmm. anybody now. I mean, they've changed so much just alone from seeing the staged reading through yeah. to this off-off-Broadway run. Yep. The actors, so the actors made the characters, and we wrote around the actors. So um, you're going to see that. I mean, yeah. So whoever it was inspired by or whatever, they're, you're not going to be able to tell. And I will say that I, I could always tell when, you're, when news people were in the audience because there are certain jokes that they definitely yes. uh, resonated with with them better and we would get laughs and kind of chuckles and a little bit of commentary that we wouldn't normally get on yes. a regular theater goer night. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun to see the it was fun to see the cast change up how you guys the energy of the show you guys would alter a little bit based on there were a couple jokes at the beginning where I think you could tell, oh, this is a TV-heavy audience, mm-hmm. and you guys would kind of play to that, which was great. Yep, because what I tried to do, and it's funny because I've gotten some feedback. Some people are like, oh, I, I um, you throw in some news words I didn't really understand, and I thought about changing them, but then I didn't no. because the reason why I have those in there is our Easter eggs to prove not only do, is this uh, like a playwright who worked in news but kind of understands what she's talking about, and I don't want to change the, le- the lingo. Some of the right. lingo, like – there's a joke, um, there's a comment where she talks about a DCPI sheet, and that's basically like surveillance video of really stupid robberies. And I like keeping that in there because it shows, oh, yeah, the the playwright must have worked in news because who else would know what a yeah, DCPI right. sheet So it kind of gives me some credibility. Well, and don't they say to, like, play and or write or, or perform to the smartest person in the audience? You shouldn't dumb down your work so that someone know. can understand <laughs> You know, <laughs> there's so much in it that if you didn't even know what news was, you yeah. would still find it just as entertaining. Totally. You just might miss a couple, couple right. moments. Right. I mean, I had to Google DCPI. <laughs> yeah, that's <I'm> serious. 
That's fine. I didn't know half the things I was talking about. Uh, whatever. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever. I'm just kidding. Okay, so the next question is from Leotis. He asks, what makes the process the most difficult and how did you maintain it? Oh, yeah. So for me, and I guess we can all go around in a circle and talk about what made it difficult, the hardest part for me is um, Betty's songs. Hmm. That's your character, Morgan, for it those is. who are listening. Yeah. Morgan plays Betty Morgan's in the like, musical. Really? <laughs> um, because I'm known for, you know, kind of my blunt humor and, and, you know, not taking, not being so emotional. And it was really, really hard to not only write these songs about heartbreak, but then to put them on a stage and have people react, especially people who potentially cause that heartbreak listen to it that scared the crap out of me Mm. so that was hard and I think how I maintained it is I drank (laughs) Bridget knows and I I was like man I had one too many drinks and I'm also not drinking on this podcast anymore just because because I'm recovering from all the drinks I had (laughs) during the show so that was my hardest part what about you guys Bridget, do you have one? I don't know what my hardest part is. I could say, like, the biggest challenge, but I think every show comes with challenges, so I wouldn't be like, oh, it's so hard. But it is we had our showcase, um, like, very short into the rehearsal process once I signed on. So it was, like, I think it was the second week of rehearsals once I – because a handful of the cast had already done a staged reading, and then Jackie and Dylan did rewrites, and then I started rehearsals. And I think about two weeks in is when we had our showcase, which was... 54 Below. Yeah, it was about 90% of the songs. So it was was difficult to do a rehearsal schedule where you had some people who already knew some songs, but there were rewrites. You had people joining the cast, and then you had to get all the songs show ready before you'd even blocked or choreographed anything. Um, so that was an interesting challenge for myself to make sure everyone had the information they needed to be off book and everything, but still, like, it's it's interesting to choreograph a dance you've never touched before, but it's already been performed. Like, it's very oh, yeah. interesting dynamic, which I, it was a fun challenge and it, it definitely worked out for the best, but it was, when I was first doing the rehearsal schedule, I was like, oh, this is, this is different because usually you'd work more, you group it more. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. I remember that too. And I also know that I, I don't think it's you. I think that with a lot of act, I think everyone in the show, and, I, and um, my approach is like, here's your deadline, let's make it happen. <laughs> and I think they're unrealistic at times. And that's great because you let me know when they were. Um, <laughs> but I, I definitely had that approach. And I even felt my pressure as well. Um, not as much as you, definitely not as much as you. But pressure, it's like, oh my God, we only had this amount of time. How are we going to do it yeah, with this yeah. budget? Because in your mind, you think like, oh, we haven't choreographed or blocked any of Act 2. But then in my mind, I'm like, but we've performed all the songs in it, which probably makes up two-thirds of Act mm-hmm. 2. So it's hard to gauge how ready you are when you've already performed half of it and haven't even got anything else on the Yeah, speed. it's like you're falsely prepared. Yes. It feels like you're prepared, and then you realize, oh, we've only ran this scene once. Yes. Yeah. You're like, but I've sung this song 18 <laughs> times. And it's like... Yep. Yeah. I feel like I would actually, now that we're talking, say that time definitely does, is a challenge, right? And, like, the transition between the end of the rehearsal process into that first performance mm-hmm. at the pit, I think, was the 
biggest challenge for all of us. It was mayhem. Yeah. Backstage with the props. We had the set list of mm-hmm. all the things. We're like, what the F show is? <laughs> well, like, what the F number is next? Like, we were all just, like, checking and changing costumes right. and pushing each other. And usually you'd, like, get all the kinks out at dress rehearsals. But yeah. with with off-off-Broadway, you normally don't have a dress rehearsal in the space. So you guys did an amazing job. But, yeah, it's like you go into that opening night being like, we're just going to all do it. And then once we – it's like the – first pancake they talk about in Gilmore Girls it's like the first pancake's it's not gonna be perfect not. but then you'll get it going it's so true huh. no no that's absolutely true all right so last question from Mike on Twitter he asks this question how much creative input should a producer give if any and what's the most challenging part of producing yeah so that's a really good question that is a really good question so, thank you Mike yeah thank you Mike Mike from Twitter thank you Mike from Twitter you're on it So uh, how much creative input should a producer give? So my thoughts from playwright and producer and uh, composer, I think that the script, and I think this is what Bridget and I did, and I wish I did it earlier, um, the script that I had is what I wanted. Um, When we turned, after the rewrite, we all agreed that was a script. I think that that is when a producer should, and a playwright, yeah, unless it needs to be changed. I think I, that's the time to step away. Because I think that I know in rehearsals it was I was a playwright, but I directed the reading or whatever. So when people would have questions, they'd come to me. And there was a moment where it's like it's time to stop asking me and, and let Bridget take the lead. Mm-hmm. Because she's um, – sorry, I just hit a bunch of things in this studio. <laughs> so um, how much creative input? I think that the script was where I wanted it. And after that, I think it's in the director's hands. And if there are issues, then that should be the director's call to come to the playwright or the producer and be like, here's the problem. That's yeah. my thought. Yeah, because we – I don't know if the cast – we made a very conscious effort – there, we had, like, a meeting where we were, you were like, I'm going to step back because of it, exactly what you just said. Yep. And we're going to do, like, two – I think we had two or three weeks where you didn't come to rehearsals. A lot of them we didn't even have Dylan there. Yep. Um, just so that really the cast and myself could interpret. Because even the cast who had been in the stage reading, a lot of the characters changed. And so just so we could bring our own stuff to the table. And then you came back in and there would be – obviously the producer and creator has say of – that's really not how I visualized it. But then there'd be things where that we would do in rehearsal. Jackie would come see it and go, oh, I never even thought of doing it that way. Right. And I think that having the the playwright or the producer, like, there the whole time, I just feel like every, it's on a, I don't know. I It just... It's stressful. It's stressful. And I would just rather put... My, what I want is on the paper. And I want to just give it to the hands of someone I trust and see it in four weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to also yeah. have that trust because I, I have friends who are playwrights who have gone, you know, they don't go to rehearsal for a couple weeks and they come back and, like, everything is changed. But I think we had this thing amongst our cast and creative team where we weren't, we were, we were working with what we were given and if there was anything that was really, really standing out that could be easy. If there was a change, then I'd, I'd go to Jackie. But there, yeah, you definitely have to have that trust of, like, we're sticking to what this and moving right there so that's all the time we have for this quickly how can they find you on social media um i'm on linkedin and my website is uh www.bridgetgraney.com i don't have a website maker morgan maker underscore morgan on instagram and i'm jacquelinethrap.com and across all the social media platforms like us on itunes and any other platform you listen to us on thank you for listening to this episode Woo! 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 Woo!